Hello, long time no see, and welcome back to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. My name is Ryan Becker, and I'm joined by my devilishly handsome co-host, Henry Johnson. Henry, it has been far too long, not since I've seen you, but since we've done this. Correct. Yeah. Because, and, because life just happens. Yeah. And life, you know, just uh, finds a way. And that's just how <laughs> things tend to go. I didn't I, know we were channeling our inner gold bloom here. I feel like I should be going do, 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 do. Yeah. My, do, 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 do. to be fair, my inner gold bloom is not that great. Uh, Are you the, practicing Tai Chi? No. no, see that that in um, what what was the one that like every teenage guy in America eventually? Oh, Christopher Walken. Everyone uh, thinks they have a Christopher Walken impression, and then they get into full blown arguments. I've almost seen friendships end over who has a better Walken impression, and uh, so I I'm glad I'm out of that phase of my life as well. But it has been a while. It's been a couple months since uh, we've been back recording and. So we wanted to do a special episode for those of you that are so or that are that are invested in, and want to know what's been going on with us. We're still going to be releasing a normal episode alongside this, so don't worry for for uh, for those of you that want to know just literally what is hap or you know what is going on in the world that we want to discuss. That episode also exists, but we want to give an update for where we've been. So uh, and, and to clarify, this is not another one because we promised the last time. This is not another apology, like "Oh my goodness, we let the podcast fall apart." Because spoiler alert, both of us have full time jobs. Because unlike some YouTube sensations, as sensational <laughs> as we are, uh, we do not have patron support that allows this to be a full time job. So this is something we cram in after all the other hours we're doing trying to eat. <laughs> yep, and that's just that's just facts. Um, and I'm okay with that reality. I like doing this for uh, a hobby, and I think somewhere along the way, I, I kind of lost sight of that uh, years ago. And and so I did promise a couple months ago as well, or several months ago, that we wouldn't be running another ad on the show. Um, and I intend to keep that. And so if you do want to support what we're doing, you're welcome to visit us at patreon.com slash uh, absurd network because we are a part of the absurd podcast network which is a network that i founded so yeah that's um that's that but a lot has happened with both of us in the last two months enough so mm -hmm. that you would be shocked to to like what how did that much happen in in two months but yeah th the, this is a pretty intense disappearance yes it is and once you know you'll understand exactly why nothing terrible uh that i can uh, that I can point to, which is good. It's all, I think, good updates for the most part. And that that makes me really happy to to say as well. Um, but Henry, I'd love to start with with you and what's been going on so we can with save your life. The best for last. Yes. Well, I actually thought we'd start <laughs> with the best so that they actually stay watching long enough to actually potentially hear, uh, oh. hear my side. Okay, uh, you see, you he, like that flip? I, 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 I can't give it away, but he has already failed in something. Nah, uh, you know, that, that it's, could, that's that just could, a That could really teaser. hurt you down the line. That's a little Let, teaser. Let's just put it this way. Bo both of these things are quite dangerous. Just one is long-term and one is more immediate. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Henry, tell us, about, uh, tell us about what's been going on in your life. Well, I've been doing a lot of work, moving into the holidays, obviously, but the main thing he's looking at and why we kind of we had banked episodes, to be fair, trying to cover this, but then just life got crazy. Uh, I went to Airborne Jump School. So, yeah, which, which, which is a totally normal thing that people do. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> there is nothing normal about it. I, I have a whole new 
appreciation for this. And and it's still funny to me that they call it jump school because oh, I guess yeah. like me, you know, when I was when I was ignorant and uninitiated, I thought, okay, you jump out of airplanes. And yet when I got there, they immediately start drilling into your head, you do not jump from the airplane. If you jump from the airplane, you are going to really hurt yourself. You step out of the airplane. Which most mm. people would say that is the dumbest thing I've heard anyway, because you're at a high altitude and you're just going out of an airplane. And I and I need to clarify something. I have never skydived. I've never had a desire to do that. I have never stepped off of a perfectly good airplane unless it was connected to a jet bridge or some sort of ladder system. And I was traveling somewhere commercially until this. So I went into jump school with absolutely never having put a parachute on. Never having gone out the door of a perfectly good airplane in flight, yet alone at 1,500 feet, Mm. flying at 150 miles an hour, and, you know, immediately starting at terminal velocity. So, so yeah, it's, it's a crazy experience. Shout out to the black hats, as we call them, and these are your instructors. There's, there's two key terms that we usually use, the black hats and the red hats, at least in, in my training program. Your black hats are your your instructors. These are the guys that have done this forever. Uh, I, I'll try not to use names, but there's one instructor that if you have been through Benning, you will know who this guy is. And he has trained, I think he was making some comment at the end of the program, because they don't talk to you buddy-buddy during the program, because mm. uh, you're not their friend. Right. No, of course so, not. But, but he has, he's trained like something like 14,000 paratroopers Wild. so far going through Benning. It's... I can't imagine that many, but, but it, he knows his stuff if he's gone through that. Oh, yeah. But anyway, these are the black hats. They're instructing you and all this stuff so that you stay alive or at least have the best chance to stay alive. Because the funny thing is they will do as much as they can on the ground. But once you go out the door of an aircraft, it's between you, your training, and gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's nothing the Army can do for you to help you once you go out the door. Uh, only when you go splat on the ground or something goes. But anyway, mm. there's that. And then there's the red hats. And those are like God basically to the airborne because those are your riggers. Okay. These are the people that test your shoots, pack your shoots, put everything in. your life is literally in their hands. You will, you will give them anything they ask for. Yep. I mean, you, you just look at these people and like, yes, <laughs> there is no, no, there is just yes. Uh, but anyway, it's three, three weeks ground phase is you know, the longest because they want to train you the most they can on the ground. It's probably that, that, wise. That's valid. Yeah, I was going to say that. That seems like a good place to start, you know? Uh, yes. Um, and I will just say without boring the minute detail for all of this, PLF or parachute landing fall pit is the bane of your existence those weeks. Because mm. the first thing they have to really teach you among a billion things they're teaching you is something very unnatural for humanity. And that is to fall on purpose. Right? I mean, because since you're a kid, everything in you is like, don't fall, it hurts. And they have to teach you not only to fall, but to fall on purpose and don't break your fall or you will break something. Yeah. Well, well, this is, and that's an important skill I learned BMXing when I was a teenager. Like if you're a skateboarder or a BMXer, one of the most important things you learn is how to fall correctly so that you don't hurt yourself. Like the skateboarder at the X Games several years ago who went on the mega ramp, which is like the giant gap within like a like a 30 foot uh, quarter pipe that they go off and he went up. So he made the mega ramp and did his big trick, and then he went up the quarter pipe, and then I guess he came too far off. He ended up falling basically from about 70 feet up, just, or 50 feet up, just straight flat on the ground. And you see him flail, and then you see him completely go limp uh, before he hits the ground. Because if your muscles are relaxed when you hit the ground, 
And on impact, it actually lessens your chance of injury. Within a couple minutes, he, he with medical assistance, he, but he, he got up and he walked out with just a few bruises. And I think he maybe had a broken rib. That was it. Not, but like it was mostly wow. just like bruises and he walked out. Um, you learn, learning how to fall is like critical, but to do that and to do it on purpose. Well, yes. and it's crazy because you, everything in your mind says this would, does not make sense that I would not get hurt. Mm. And, and, and it's all mental. There, there's so much about jump score. I realized I, when I went in uninitiated, my great fear was the physical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, cause I've never been quote the bad shape, you know, but you, the, skinny does not mean fit. Right, and I and I had learned a lot about that prepping physically yeah. to go through this. But even when you get there, there's still that nervousness. I'm like, am I physically gonna, you know, make it through this? And honestly, my greatest fear was my knees, because I ha- I have as I've gotten older, I- I've had certain tweaks that happen to my knees, and there's certain times I can hit it where fluid starts building up behind one of them, and I'm I'm just like. Oh no, now I'm going to this thing where you're landing on your feet and your knees. And I had this misconception. I'm like, everything's all the tension on your knees. And I know these airborne guys, their knees are like shot and it does impact your knees. But if you do it right, it's it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. And so needless to say, other than like bruises on top of bruises on top of bruises on my knees, uh, my knees themselves, I don't remember any fluid buildups and, and things. I didn't have any of that. Uh, but but you're learning really your knees are not what take your impact if they do you just broke your legs right oh yeah at that at that speed and height i I mean yeah because i mean because here's the thing this probably would if you haven't figured it out by now people can youtube i'm sure uh military parachuting is not the same as skydiving or civilian parachuting for one the shoot is different two the speed is different three the method of exit is different for the speed on impact is there's just so well much you're not doing it, it as primarily a, a tool for for fun like a hobby you're doing it a for survival but b for a mission like you're doing it with a very specific objective in mind whenever you do have to jump yeah and the weird thing is is like skydiving the point is to be in the air yeah right it's the it's the free fall that's the 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 fun in it right so you will go up to certain heights it's like 10 to fourteen thousand feet and depending on which where in there you are, you get 45 seconds to like a minute of free fall. Mm-hmm. And that's what people are paying for. That's that's the experience they want. In a military application, the longer you are in the air, the worse for you. For yep. two reasons. One, because you could be shot at, or two, they can see where you're going, right? Which yeah. means then they can make their way to shoot at you. And also right? because so they- <laughs> you, you're jumping from a low a low altitude anyway, typically. So, you know, the longer you're in the air, it's problematic, or at least that you're not, uh, the longer you're in free fall, it's problematic, I should say. <laughs> well, yes, in that sense too, uh, because you we go out at 1,500 feet. Standard static line jump is 1,500 feet. Now, to put that into some perspective, if you're trying to do math in your head, imagine about the height of the Empire State Building, go to the top of the Empire State Building and then just step off the building. Okay. Don't now, actually do we'll, that. Don't actually. Yeah, don't, don't, don't actually do that. Actually that's why they. That. That's why they have grates and fences up there. Yeah. I've been on the the the. I've been on that observation deck or whatever. But but here, here's my point with that. It seems like a lot, but it's not. Okay, because there's this little thing called terminal velocity. All right, and they will teach you all of this because, long story short, jump jump school is like I can tell, they know what they're doing. Duh. But uh, they've had decades to perfect this. 
since at least mm-hmm. airborne operations in World War II in the 40s. But they have this system down. You would do like three hours in the pit, and just when you thought physically, you and by pit, I mean there was this area that you practice these landing falls because it's much easier to do it in sand than it is on the hard ground. Like, let's just mm. start by hitting the ground over and over again. It still hurts, but anyway. And they do that just to about the time you thought you couldn't physically take it anymore. Then they'd shove you in a classroom for three hours. And then they would beat you up emotionally because it's emergency procedures course and you find out all 900 ways you could die. Yeah. Right. And how you need to prevent that. Like, you know, um, side note, totally random story. You do have to learn how to survive hitting power lines. Oh, yes, you do. That, that, yeah, that's valid too. Well, yes. Um, but, and the, the random story I'm going to give, it was one guy in the, in the cadre, one student that was going through this who, Actual name will remain nameless. He wasn't in my direct cadre, my platoon. But the first two jumps he did, the first two, like, I don't know how you, he landed in power lines both times. That is, and that this, is precision, not aim, everybody. That is, well, pres- that's, that, that's not even precision. And here's what's funny. The second time he landed in the power lines in such a way that he cut off all the power to the nearby town. Oh, my to word. The, to the base for four hours until the power company shut it all, you know, got him out of that. And so his nickname for the rest of the, the course was Sparky. <laughs> so we, we called him Sparky because he had, <laughs> hey he survived both so that's but he did that is true he survived both so the training work i guess but i don't know how twice i I mean they the di's were chewing him out for anyway uh, funny story anyway and thankfully that was not me but the the nickname was sparky on that and now he can run really really fast Yes, like you're flash. Yes, there you go. Yep. Yes, yes. All right. So speeding, speeding this up. You you do your ground phase. The most interesting thing that guys that have been through it, gals that have been through it, will probably tell you about there is suspended agony. Uh, that's a that's a nickname term for it. You do emergency procedures training again. They want to do as much as they can on the ground mm. before you're actually up in the air, and so you need to practice. The harness being in the parachute harness as if you were descending under canopy without actually being under canopy. And so they have these rigs that are hooked up to the ceiling mm-hmm. of the the installation where they're they're doing this. And and they will actually have these mobile stair units and you will walk up and get hooked up into this thing and then lift your legs and they'll pull the stairs away. And now you're hanging like five feet off the ground in, in a harness. Now, why we call it suspended agony is because in real life, if you're in a canopy coming down, you, you feel weightless, actually. You, you, don't, you don't feel the canopy because the, the harness, you, the canopy mm-hmm. should all be moving with the weight. It's moving with gravity. You're all moving as one unit. Well, obviously on the ground, if, the, if you're in this harness and it's hooked to the ceiling, it doesn't move, but your body still wants to go to the ground. And they hook you in this thing and they leave you there until their course of instruction is done. So imagine a whole bunch of people hanging in fake harnesses. Off, well, not, not fake, but you know what I mean. They're, they're hooked to a ceiling. And your DIs are walking around, you know, your black hats are all walking around on the ground and you're just hanging there. And after a couple hours of you hanging in this thing, you're losing blood circulation in your legs because of the way this... Yep. thing is you know you're trying to pull it so that's why they call it suspended agony you are suspended from the ceiling mm-hmm. but you're in agony by the time this this thing's done as you are practicing over and over again 
all your emergency procedures, demonstrating how to get out of the harness, because believe it or not, and again, if you if there's anybody listening that's been through jump school, you know all this and PTSD is coming back. I don't know. Right. There's different. You can't even exit the harness the same way, depending on what emergency you're in, because there's different things you would never think of. Or at least I didn't, but I'm glad. I, I'm someone very thankful did. the Black Hats. Well, yeah, unfortunately, it likely means that someone found out the hard way, and now uh, they know how to uh, deal with it. Uh, correct. And then, of course, I could tell stories about the Tower of Terror, and I don't mean the the Disney's Hollywood Studios ride. I'm talking about, you know, the military has orchestrated a tower, because now you'll go up in a tower and go off of it to practice height and whatever. And And the military has found a way to perfectly orchestrate the psychological height that it needs to be to be just tall enough that when you look over, you think I will die. If I go off of this platform, it's too high. If something goes Mm -hmm. wrong, I will just go splat, but it's just low enough. You go, but I might survive falling from this height (laughs) and your mind can't figure out which option it is. And it just mentally overloads you. Yeah. And that, well, and that's pretty much all of jump school and, and paratrooping in general is it's a mental game. Like, and that is, that's the biggest takeaway I hit. You know, I, I thought it was going to be the physical going in, but it's totally the psychological component is harder. Mm. And you will realize that the moment you start doing your first jumps, right? And and that's probably a good way to start segueing out of this. When you get on the, when you get on the airplane, I remember there was, you know, it, this is also unnatural to go out of a perfectly good airplane, uh, and do this. And, you know, the doors open and you hear the wind, you're just, yep. you know, and you've got to now step out of this thing. And I, I used to wonder, to to airborne qualify, to earn your jump wings, you have to go out of this aircraft five times. And I used mm. to go, why five? Wouldn't one and successfully doing it prove you can do it? Well, now I know why it's five, because the first one, uh, oof. the first one, the only way I got out the door I know was training in adrenaline. I do not remember a ton about the first jump. It was literally, I was going through motions and mm-hmm. and and just boom. Of course, it didn't help. I was the number one in the stick. Oh, and fantastic. If jump school, you know what that means. But basically, when you're prepping, there is somebody that has to stand in the door. That's what we call it. Right, it's one of the commands. But you stand in the door, and you're waiting for the jump master to whack you in the rear, and you step out, and you start the whole train of guys going out. And just the way they weighed it or proportioned it or however they determined it, the very first jump, I was the number one guy and the number one stick, which meant for what felt like an eternity when they got to the point, they were like standing the door, getting ready for the light to change and for us to go over the DZ, the drop zone. I was standing in a door of an aircraft, hearing the loud blare of the engine, whatever, my foot a few inches off the the side, and there's nothing but sky in Mm. front of me. And I am staring at the wingtip because, again, if you go to jump school, you know, do not look down. Wherever you look is where your body's going. And the first three seconds of exiting the aircraft will dictate the rest of your journey. You can screw it up then and you're done for. Yeah. Right? It, it all depends. Physics is is doesn't care about you or your feelings or where you look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, but you're standing there and you realize that the moment you feel that hit, this isn't training on the ground. I'm not going out and landing on a bouncy pad or whatever. Mm. I, I'm just going out into into nothing. And it was all adrenaline. It was purely, purely adrenaline. And each successive jump, your mind has a little bit less of that. And so it's a, you at least process a little bit more. And oh my goodness, I got more and more nervous each jump that went. It it was weird. The third jump was the hardest for me. Hmm. 
totally psychologically was just messing with me because now you've done this a couple times and you're like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Right. And your body's kind of like psyching itself out. Like you survived the other two statistically. You're like, you're due for a malfunction. You're due for, (laughs) why are you doing this? The more you do, this is the disaster. And and to prove this point, there was a guy in my particular platoon, uh, again, will remain nameless, but he was like a state trooper. Okay. So like his full-time job is like facing death every day. I mean, he was fit, like on the ground phase, like he was running like circles around Mm -hmm. us. Like this guy was, um, you know, Mid to late 20s, built like a triangle. Uh, I mean, the guy was like, he made it look easy. We got on the airplane for the first jump, and when they gave the command to stand up, he was frozen in place in the seat. He could not stand up. They failed him out the course. Um, and that's not that's not judging him by any man. I don't mean to me like, ha, 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 ha. I'm, I'm just trying to explain the psychological nature of this. We lost more people in jump phase than we did ground phase. Hmm. Uh, and we lost a ton after the first jump. Like there was guys that went out the first time and then they could not bring themselves to get back on a plane to do it again. And they just washed them out. Mm. Uh, and I totally get it. Now the psychological component of it is mm. now to say yeah. something nice in conclusion for people are like, why in the world? <laughs> Listen, the, there's about 10 seconds. Cause you don't stay in the air very long in, in military jump operations. The first four seconds you're deploying, we're on a static line. Now, what that means is you are your shoot, um, the tray pack that your shoot is in. It's not actually the shoot itself connected to this. is is connected to a cable we call the static line in the aircraft. And when you go out, it's still hooked to the aircraft. So as you fall away from the aircraft, it eventually deploys the shoot for you. This isn't like skydiving. There's nothing I pull a lever and it you know pulls out. Well, at fifteen hundred feet and at you know terminal velocity, if you're falling at 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 that speed within the first four seconds, you've already eaten up a third of your travel to the ground. But but you're going to eat that up anyway because it takes about that long if everything goes right for the chute to deploy. Mm. Now, assuming everything goes well and the chute deploys and I'm not immediately having to deploy what I call the egg. Well, I didn't call it that. The, some of the instructors did, but it's the reserve chute. Yeah. We wear it on the front, but they were always like, protect the egg. Uh, that so makes sense. been through jump school, you would know what I'm talking about. Anyway, if you don't have to deploy that, everything's good and you're going, you're turning into the wind, whatever. There's about 10 seconds of free fall before you're preparing for your landing. Mm. Okay. If everything goes well, you're probably on the ground in less than 20 seconds, 25 seconds at most. I mean, it's not long. You're not just hanging out there like, well, look at this guy. But for the 10 seconds, you can do that. uh, There, I don't know how to describe that feeling unless you've been, it's so weird. You go from all the loud, emotionally adrenaline pumped chaos to stepping out into the prop blast mm-hmm. in, into this like hurricane force winds, right? You step out into that, you you fall away. And, and again, it doesn't feel like a roller coaster. I was actually nervous about that. If you've been on a roller coaster and when it drops initially and you feel your stomach going, up, yep. like, oh, I hate that feeling. It wasn't like that at all. It felt more like kind of going down a slide on the playground. I, oh, okay, yeah. I don't know how to describe yeah. it other than that. It was, it, it's kind of, you know you're descending, but it's not like that gut feeling of like, ah! Correct. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that, again, they they tried to explain that to us is like on a roller coaster, it's acceler your your body's going from slow to accelerate. And, and so that feeling you get is that the outer part of your body starts accelerating slightly faster than your internals. Mm-hmm. And everything's trying to keep up and you get that weird sensation. On an airplane, obviously, we're decelerating. 
because the plane is going much faster than terminal velocity. And when you step off the airplane, now I'm no longer going 150 miles an hour. Gotcha. I, I'm slowing. So therefore, your, your body's actually slowing, not speeding up. So you don't get that feeling. But anyway, it's like, it's like you're going down a slide. And when the chute unflurls and, and the aircraft goes away because it's still moving, so it, it keeps disappearing, there's, there's a bit where it is the most pristine silence I have ever heard in my life. Mm. I don't describe it other than that. It is deadly quiet. There's no noise pollution up there. I mean, you can yell to a guy way over the thing and you can have a conversation. It's so mm. quiet. And you just hear nothing. You don't hear wind because if you've done your your duty right and turned into the wind, you're moving with the wind. So you don't even feel the air, you know, blowing by you or anything. It's just stillness. Mm. And you're hovering between heaven and earth and and you're just looking at everything. And I remember our our first jump was near sunset. And that's the most beautiful sunset I've seen in my life. And you're just hovering. It, it just feels like you're just floating. And for those 10 seconds, it's absolutely amazing. But then the ground is coming up at you very fast. And now you got to launch into your prepare to land. And you're, you're, you know, you made sure you've turned into the wind and you're orienting for a right PLF or front left PLF or rear right or rear left, whatever you're you get to choose depending on weather conditions and then boom, you're on the ground and then you're up and you're trying to outrun your chute. So it doesn't become a giant parasail and drag you 30 miles an hour across the ground through somebody's field mm -hmm. or whatever, et cetera. But that, that 10 seconds is like divine. Oh yeah. Now the, for me at least, I don't know if everything getting up to going out the aircraft and the landing part on either side of that sandwich makes that 10 seconds worth it. But yeah, if I had to say, like, what's the highlight? It's like that moment is like, boom. And then, of course, the adrenaline when you're standing on the ground and your chute's all pulled up and you realize, I survived. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, the first one, I was giddy. I looked, probably looked like a drunk. I think all of us were. Well, we were on the DZ and we've gotten all our stuff and we're running back to the trucks to to get off the, the DZ and we're like, we're alive. <laughs> I <laughs> we love it. Did, we were up there and we just came down and we're here. We're alive. I wonder, I wonder what the break point, breaking even point is, like where you've done it enough times that now it's just normal. Like it, you don't have that kind of same feeling. Or if there's always like a little bit of that feeling, but you just learn to, you know, deal with it and move on with your life. I'm going to assume, and again, this is a guy that at this point has not done like 30, 60, 90. I, I had to do just the basics. I had to get through school. Okay, that's only five. Uh, I will have to research and other stuff. But I, I'm just assuming from people I've talked to or the instructors, because they get a little bit more friendly after you graduate. You can ask them a bit more stuff. And they were like, there's always in the back of your mind, statistically, the longer you do this, there will be a malfunction somewhere. Yep. That's inevitable. No matter how well they do this equipment, no matter how what statistically you will have a malfunction. And so they're like, they're, I would assume there's always going to be in the back of your mind. I, I don't know if you ever get comfortable with it. And in fact, they, they were made the comment, if you are comfortable with it, you're, you're asking for trouble. There, there should always be that hesitation. There should always be that a little bit of concern. That, that alertness is what keeps you alive. Yeah. Right? If you're just like, ha ha, I got this. That's when you make mistakes. That's when you do something really stupid. Your head's not in the game. And you will hurt yourself. And in fact, you know, there, there was a guy who didn't keep his head in the game on, on one of our jumps and he exited in proper because he was, just, I, don't, I don't know what, I'm not in his head, whatever. And now thankfully he remembered his emergency training and it kicked in and that saved his life, but it, it hurt him. He got hurt really bad. Mm. 
Um, and again, they use that as another time. Remember, if you don't keep your head in the game, you're asking to kill yourself. And that's right. That's because yeah, that's just how it is. I mean, you ha- you you have more time than you think once you're out the plane, but you have less time than you would want. That makes sense. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. If you follow your training, you're not like, oh, there's a malfunction, and yeah. you're running and, and freaking out.com and acting lstupido.org because then you'll also get yourself killed. Yeah, but but what but, I'm when you also combine that with like military combat on the ground once you're there and all the like the a mission actually in real life, which once again I, I can't speak to any of that from any sort of personal or or third third party experience. I'm just wondering, like you have to get out of the I survived the jump phase really quick at some point and i'm wondering what that how many times you do it before you can actually which i'm sure it changes for everyone but do you know what i mean do you see what i'm saying there like maybe not that it's normal or just like a normal day out but more so just like you hit the ground and now you you have the and you know you have what's in front of you still to go well and i would assume and i need to clarify that um, this, this is something a lot of the vet, the vets will say, and I now totally get it. They're like, just because you went through jump school does not make you a paratrooper. It makes you jump qualified. Mm. And the difference they would say with that is, so, you know, I say paratrooper, but I, I don't really, a paratrooper, someone they've been shooting at. You see, I didn't go out the airplane with somebody shooting at me. For all the stuff I had to think about, I didn't have to worry about getting killed before I even hit the ground. And I didn't have that worry, like you said, that once I got on the ground and that exhilaration of like, aha, I'm alive, I'm not immediately being shot at, artilleried, you know, strafed, whatever. I, I don't have any of those concerns. My concern was trees, water, power lines, yeah. right? Uh, exit correctly. Uh, that's all my focus. So I, I would assume, and this is the uninitiated me, that your mind would have so many other things you'd be worried about. Oh, and then there was my camera. Right at 30 minutes every time. I love it. Right at every time. Oh, now we see your shutter speed settings. Ah, uh, he's back. Yes. Anyway, I, I'm back. That's that's telling me, stop. Anyway, <laughs> it's telling me, you've gone too long. But that that would be my thing. I would assume the the combat aspect of it would predominate your mind, but I've never been in combat to know. Yeah. Right? I would assume you get on the ground and you've probably been more worried the whole time about what's in front of you than just the... I got to the ground. It's like just, it's just part of the process to the inevitable thing that sucks. Yeah. Um, and I hope I never have to do that. And I applaud people that did, but anyway, that's, that is a very non-technical, totally rambling, whatever. That's, that's jump school. I survived it. I'm jump qualified, not a paratrooper, I guess is a good way to close up, but I am jump qualified. And that is a completely different, uh, I have a whole new appreciation for a lot of things in life now. Uh, yeah through it and so it's crazy i can't believe i did that it's one of the hardest things i've ever done but you feel a sense of accomplishment like i've done it yep and uh i will enjoy the ground until the next time i have to do it (laughs) that's right um and if you are interested in hearing more of henry's stories just let us know we'd love to to uh share those with you and i'm sure he he would love to to share some of the things that he's learned because there's so much more even than what he shared here uh when we we caught up what the day that you left basically was i saw you later that night and uh, we, I mean, we talked for probably two, three hours just on jump school stuff. And uh, because yeah, I drove, I drove past your house on the way going home from it. Yeah, so yeah, and so yeah, we'd love to to share those with you, but we don't want to take up you know the whole the whole sh- whole show with those either. Um, but but now for the cherry on top. That's right, um, Ryan. What's been happening in your? What did you? 
step out into yes. hurricane force wind style. So speaking of suspended agony, um, <laughs> well, first, 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 I do, I do, I've been waiting and desperate to show this. Uh, but th- many of you know. Why don't you just stretch? And you've, no, no, no. It's actually something different. So behind me, on the top shelf, are uh, a, a little, a few of my collection. But uh, one of the most recent things I collect is is yo-yos. For those who don't know, I don't know anything good enough to like do something oh, we're on going camera. This. Yes, we're leading oh, with yeah. this. And I was on some uh, some yo-yo forums, looking through yo-yos that are uh, bought and, and now first, and that people are reselling or looking to trade or whatever. And because yo-yos typically are limited run or limited production run for like a specific colorway or, you know, you'll you'll wait another year before they may release again or that yo-yo in particular may never release again. And as I was looking through them, I discovered someone was selling a yo-yo that only 30 of them were made. I did not know about this until literally I was on this forum post only 30 of them were made. It was a one-time collaboration in January of 2020. And the yo-yo is literally called Absurdity, which is wild to me. And I immediately felt like if I don't buy this yo-yo, I will be betraying cardinal yep, I will be betraying the entire universe. So I reached out to the guy and was like, hey, you know, he was selling it for 90 bucks. I was like, let me, you know, can I and I get it from you. He goes, well, actually, I was. I decided I'd rather keep it actually because I I hit my my income goal with, with what I needed with uh, the other yo-yos I just sold. But I know of another guy on a private forum who's also on this forum. I'll let him know to message you because he's selling his too. Two out of the thirty yo-yos were on were were selling at the same time, and so the other guy reached out to me that same night, and now I have yo-yo number. 24 out of 30 it is pink and it's probably not going to show very well but on the inside it does actually say yeah, absurdity as well yeah. um and it's just it's just really cool the box underneath actually says 24 of 30 as well that that's uh so i just wanted to share that because i could but in addition to my back going out in october leading me to not be able to record for for several weeks at the same time that henry was at jump school too and on top of the fact that most of our backup episodes that we had we had banked up uh, were now out of date. Uh, we had one on General Milley and his statements regarding critical race theory. We had uh, and and about the Miami Tower collapse in like I don't know June, July, whenever that was. Um, so much has happened. I know, Sheesh, right? Flu. Um, those aren't relevant anymore, so I'm not going to post them. Like it just seems weird to have a take that talks about the articles, you know, three days ago when it was five months ago. So we've just kind of said, eh, well, that's that. And, but in addition, Poor podcast exit, they just went splat. Yes. In addition to both of those, um, I also got a new job and now I work full time from home. I did not start anything new. It was nothing like that. It was more so I found an amazing company called Sweetfish Media and uh, we produce podcasts for B2B brands uh, through a method of of content based networking that our CEO uh, coined the term and, and wrote a book on it as well, and basically we work with brands that market to other brands and help them develop a podcast as a part of their marketing strategy. And so I've been since November eighteen going through training for that, and and have really this company is absolutely amazing, fully remote from the ground up, and it's based in Orlando, which is where I'm from. So uh, that was also just a sense of personal. Um, kind of a personal connection. But the thing I'm the most proud of with this is it is a full-time 
uh, full-time job in the podcasting space, but, but mainly the marketing space. And the reason that I'm so proud of it is because this was a job I got based off of a resume that was purely created from things I've done in my spare time in addition to a full-time job. My degree, my work experience full-time isn't as related to podcast marketing um, as, as, you would, as one would hope. And I never really expected to be able to land a full-time, full-time job uh, with the resume I had. Because there's not there there really isn't much I can say. I don't have a formal education in it, and I don't. I just, but I have five years of experience doing it on my own, helping launch over forty podcasts, running Absurdity for one hundred and seventy some odd episodes so far, and 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 doing others as well. And in that time, have grown my knowledge just uh, significantly, both on podcasting as a medium and on how to do it. And I'm really proud of it because it's that that earned me a job. And it really does. It really does speak a lot to the um, speak a lot to the long term nature of the things that we do that we're passionate about. Because I found a company that I feel like really values me, and that I that I I really like the way that they work together. I am I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop because there's so many amazing things about working for this company. But uh, and don't get me wrong, there are I'm sure there are going to be things that are you know cause a source of friction and and things that I don't like either. But it. It really is from the intentionality they have working full time remote to uh, to some of the benefits they get uh, to the and to the scale of the work I'm doing. I mean, I spent the first 15 minutes of my my initial interview talking about what kind of uh, what space in podcasting I like working in and the mentoring and coaching side. And then with the position that I was applying for the last five minutes of my of that initial job interview were spent talking about the fact that they were going that exact direction with the position I was applying for. I mean, it, it could not have been, I was trying not to get my hopes up, but right when that happened, I was like, cool, my hopes are up. There's nothing I can do about it. I had no control. I, I remember us talking about it on that same strip. I yeah. mean, you were finishing the interview or having the final interview right as I was coming back from jump school. It's interesting. These stories intersect, yeah. right? And we were sitting on your couch talking about like, you're like, dude, I really like this, but I don't know. And I'm worried if yep. they're going to call me back. And Yep. And it kicked off a, an intense two, three week period of me uh, trying to to wrap things up at my old, uh, at my old job. And that was as busy as jump school. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was just completely wrapped up in that. And so it's been, uh, it's been a wild, wild ride. But so I started that job on November 18. And let me just, um, uh, let me just get a quick stretch. stretch. Oh, ha, 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 ha. he oh. bit the dust, ladies and gentlemen. Ha, 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 he has put the ring of power. Oh, I feel better now. Yeah, um, that was, uh, yes. that was a really good stretch there. But uh, for those that are mm-hmm. listening, uh, I got Ooh. married. Uh, that's what happened yeah. on November 24. So I, <laughs> um, I proposed in the middle of my back going out. It was completely unromantic, unfortunately, but uh, I did propose in October. Um, you literally fell for her, and I literally, yeah, basically, um, I literally, <laughs> I proposed to her in my house. Um, I wanted to do a whole, nice home cooked dinner, but I was still at a point where I couldn't, um, where I couldn't stand or move for long enough to to do that. I still only had about ten minutes in me standing. And at that point, but we were on a timeline because we had already decided our wedding was going to be on the 24th of November. And so when you're talking about a ring that she doesn't know she has yet, 
Um, talking about choosing wedding bands, dress, whole nine yards there. There's, I mean, there's just so much. Now, why were you guys so focused on the day before Thanksgiving? So, I should point yes. that out. So there's a couple there reasons. There's a reason for this. So we talked about this back Not in... Not just psychosis. Yeah, right? Uh, we talked about this back <laughs> in August when, when I first brought up ring shopping. And she, when we talked about life goals and, you know, is there anything we want to wait for? Is there anything that we really are... are wanting to make sure we we hit one of my my closest friends she wanted to be married before she was 30 she got married two weeks before she was 30 that was one of her big things and that's perfectly fine um the the and i love her husband he's a great guy so i'm all i'm all for it the for us there was no big things and we realized that both of our families are in financial situations that aren't like amazing so neither family can afford a big ceremony Neither of us really wants a big ceremony, and we don't really care about the ceremony to the level of saying we want to wait specifically because of this. And then we realized if we want to save up for a ceremony, why are we paying rent in two different places while trying to save up for a ceremony? And so we decided to do an elopement. And when looking at dates, we decided our two-year anniversary because I have ADHD and that is one less thing for me to memorize. So it makes it that much worse if I ever forget. But it is on uh, November 24, which is the day before Thanksgiving. Now, the other reason we decided to then commit with that, even though it was so, even though it's so close to a holiday, was because I was asking that neither family be there since my family can't travel from Orlando. They're there for health reasons. They they can't and financial reasons. So we we. I said, look, if my family can't be there, I'm asking that this be specifically a private ceremony. And that was my one request. And her parents honored it. We did have her, her, her family drive her. They were with her as she got ready that morning, and they, they drove her to the site where we got married, which is a dock on, a, on, a, uh, on our friend Crystalie's property. And, and so thank you to her and, and her neighbors as well for, for accommodating us. And, and apologies to any dead fish there might be for swallowing fake rose petals. Yeah, we we didn't think that one through. We we had some 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 <laughs> fake rose petals. We laid them out, and then wind happened, and then we quickly tried to pick as many up as we could. So uh, the the so the reason we did it this way was so that we could celebrate Thanksgiving um, and celebrate our wedding with her family, and then because her family comes out to to Chattanooga where we are, and then we can celebrate in Orlando with my family at Christmas. And so this allows us to do it both on holidays that are really close to each other. We don't have to take extra time off to do it, really. And it is just it it just allows both families to still feel like they were a part of it. And our plan right now is still to do a big bigger ceremony next year at some point, but we don't know how that will play out yet. The bigger thing right now is paying down debt and getting ourselves financially secure. But it's great because I work from home now, so uh, I save a ton on gas and maintenance costs. And the other side of that is if we move because she gets a better job somewhere, we can. Uh, as long as I have internet, it doesn't really matter to me. And that's just something I'm I'm really incredibly grateful for that I get to. My job had me traveling a whole ton and now working from home and I get time to work on my personal podcast, which is cool. Um, it means that I get to spend my first year of marriage at home as well. And so I am married to my beautiful wife, Natabel Fortunato, and we are working on the name change documents. I, I didn't ask her to, I just asked if she wanted to, and that was a decision I've left to her. Um, I understand some of the history behind name changing and the sacrifice that, yeah. that women make when deciding to, or when making that decision. But if it's something that she wanted to do, then I wanted to support it. If not, I would have been totally fine with it. She could still change her mind. We haven't submitted any applications yet. And, but I'm just, 
when you have that much life change happening, you know, getting her moved in and, and all of her stuff in and getting things built out. And uh, it's been an experience. I now went from, you know, owning most of the things in my house and having all of my space to I have basically half of a bed and one rack in a closet. <laughs> and that's all they of my stuff. Closets. Um, and that, that, that's everything. And it's like, if you walked in, you wouldn't think I lived there other than seeing my side of the bed. That's it. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I have no problem with it. It forces me to downsize a bit. And what matters is my studio is relatively untouched as well. I just set up a desk for her to be in here as well when she's home. So yeah, I'm thrilled with all the life changes that I've, I've had going on, but it's been a lot to the point of, I'd love to say I could update everyone on YouTube and, and social media all the time, but I just had other priorities during that time, which seems like it would be obvious at this point. Why? And both of us, you know, once again, I can't, I, I can't really tell which is scarier. Henry, your, your jump certification or me getting married, those are, uh, it's pretty, me getting married is scary for multiple reasons, just so we're all aware. Uh, number one, it's me. And number two, it's also me. Um, and number three, we question her sanity in choosing me. But the, I um, Actually, it's horrible because now my hopes of being with you have been dashed. I know, I know, I know. What's great is we- You were my, you were my full backup plan when my wife cried. And- but now I got to thank you because it must have hurt a lot to officiate my wedding and to be standing there seeing me all dressed up, but for somebody else, that must have been a very it, painful it, experience it was, for you. It was rough. And especially when you're on a dock where all it would take is one like complete slap to the side and she would have drowned. I mean, yeah, <laughs> folks. Wow. That's the cliff. Yep, that goes that's viral. the like, one. No, um, I'm not, I'm not advocating drowning or, you know. But also I on mean, a serious a- note, if you're unmarried and listening to this, do not do any brides, please. I'm I, like, if you're a photographer, <laughs> if you're a video, like if you, if you do any sort of media work for weddings or you are a bride in a wedding, do not do any, any photos in your gown in water. Wedding dresses are heavy and brides within the last several mm. years have drowned doing uh, what's the trash the dress photos shoots or there was a story of a of a bride getting in a in a stream and doing it and her dress the 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 weight was so the weight was so much they couldn't pull her up and she got swept away downstream and they couldn't they found her i think hours later um it it is well that sunk the conversation it is it is a really seri- i know but that's like I know it did, but that's a serious thing of like, please don't. If I can save even one life by by derailing this conversation with that piece of life advice, I absolutely will. Um, because that's really important to know. Don't do anything involving water and your dress other than drinking water. Uh, that that right. So just stand stand your bride to be on a dock above correct water in the winter. Yes, exactly. That's what we did, <laughs> and that worked out really with well. Knife, with a nice backless dress for her yeah it was yeah. it was great um it Free, freeze your wife to death before you know preserve her in that moment yes just completely it's all about refrigeration yep correct you understand <laughs> if it wasn't we do it in the summer and i just bring a lot of salt with me so the, those are those are the two options i think but uh so that's where we've been for the last few months we're really excited about what's coming next we are going to be a bit more intentional about taking holidays and um and taking planned breaks instead of unplanned ones. A lot of life just kind of came at us. And that's, I feel like that's just been the way for everyone for the last couple of years. But we haven't gone anywhere. Absurdity isn't going anywhere. We still want to keep doing this and want to keep making content. A, because we're passionate about it. B, because we really like talking to each other. And, and C, because we really we've been absolutely in awe at the impact that this show has made on so many people for so many years. 
and we want to continue to create something that's going to be beneficial and and make a make a really positive difference in the lives of those who listen to it. So uh, we want to we and for me, this is an active ministry that now that I'm out of a professional ministry environment, this is something that is a way for me to sustain my my ministry heart and uh, my my service minded heart to to do something with my voice that I feel matters. And so, thank you all for your support and. Um, and we're excited to see what, what is coming next on this show as well and, and to go down that, that journey with you. So, uh, Henry, any final words from you as we, as we close out this episode? Uh, just, A, thanks for your patience with us and still wanting to include us in, in some small part in your life. That means a lot, even in the chaos of ours. We know yours has got to be chaotic, too, and the fact that you work us in somehow in the car, exercising, whatever uh that that means a lot and we thank you for that and then second of all ryan congrats again you've joined a really awesome club you're going to realize how selfish you are and how much you suck but in a good way that hopefully i mean there's therapy for the other parts where if you really internalize that and think that you are trash you're not right but, but <laughs> i appreciate you know, that you, thank you. you will learn i I'm, I'm i'm learning a ton but it is it's a journey yeah yeah uh, well worth having especially when it's the right one. And I know you two are, if I didn't think you two were good together, I wouldn't have married you anyway. So, but you know, I did thank you for that honor, but I'm really excited for you. And it's, it's, I'm excited to see where both of you, you land in the future. Yeah. I, uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was, it was really great for both of us to have you there, um, as the pastor that both of us are closest to, uh, that was, that was something that, that, uh, meant a lot to both of us as well. We didn't want to just do a courthouse thing. We wanted it to be special. So, uh, you helped make it. So, and, um, so with that, everyone, thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our journeys with us and for being patient with us on ours uh, as well. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.